morning, everyone. Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome to Medically Speaking in the Morning, sponsored by our Spirit of Women Network. Thank you for joining us. Been a little rushed to get in here. We had a little bit of a flat tire on our way in you here, which did? Johnny K is assisting me in. Thank God for Johnny K working you came with AAA. With a flat tire? Well, I came in and it was a bit low, so he's. He's working the scene for me in the back and, and getting the tire fixed. He'll take for me. care of He's you. He's going to take care of me very well. And you signed on the air very calmly, so nobody okay. even knew. Mm-hmm. That's what a professional does. That's You've trained does. me well. We have tried. You've tried to train me well. So yes, good morning, everyone. Again, this is our our medically speaking in the morning, which will happen the second Friday of every month, and we're a little off this month because of the New Year falling um, on a on a Friday. New Year's Day fell on a Friday, so. We're kind of the third Friday this month, but we will be back every second Friday of the month bringing you topics um, of concern to you and your families along with our physicians um, at St. Mary's Hospital. And it's sponsored by our Spirit of Women Network, which we'll talk a little bit more about at the end. So today joining me, I have with me Dr. Kathleen Burleson. Hi, Dr. Burleson. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Dr. Burleson is a primary care physician with us with the Franklin Medical Group, and uh, she resides at um, our East. East Main Street office at 1981 East Main, and we are so happy you can join us today, Doc. So thank you again. I'm glad to be here. Coming, coming to be with us, and we are going to be talking about something today that we've titled "A Chew or the Flu." So, and I think that everyone out in our listening audience will understand what we mean by a chew or the flu. Mm-hmm. A chew or the flu. What we're really looking uh, to talk about today is: is it a cold? Or is it the flu? And how do we tell the difference? So there are some common signs and symptoms for cold and flu season. So we brought our, one of our favorite primary care physicians here today to talk to us about what those differences are. And I'm sure you get those questions every day, Doc. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. And sometimes it is hard to tell, particularly for, for the patient, but because some of the, the features of those things are similar. But one way to know and one way to iron it out is, you know, with a cold, the predominant symptoms are usually nasal, sore throat. They come on very slowly, um, you know, so you might feel yourself coming down with something for a few days um, with these symptoms. With the flu, it's usually what I call the boom bang, um, getting hit with it real quickly. Um, and with the flu, common symptoms are often fever, body aches, and more severe respiratory symptoms. So the the respiratory symptoms with the flu happen more gradually, or do they seem to come on all of a sudden where you felt well and then all of a sudden... Exactly, Robin. You you have those symptoms of, you know, the severity. And so, you know, with a cold... I know a lot of times, you know, you get incredibly nasal. You know, Mm -hmm. you have all that and those nasal symptoms or you start with that scratchy throat. But how long should it really last if it's the cold? I mean, that's another thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it seems like if it goes on forever and they're, you know, I need to take an antibiotic. You know, I need to have something. Right. Well, you know, as we know, antibiotics don't work against colds anyway, but it's not unusual for a cold uh, sometimes to last a week and and some people more. In, In smokers, it can last longer than that. So... Um, you would just treat the symptoms supportively, um, you know, decongestants, pushing the fluids. Um, if it is the common cold, um, expect that it's not going to go away right away. Right. Um, the symptoms I think we're are going to be mild. Yeah. We tend to be impatient as busy, you know, as busy mm-hmm. working individuals. And, and even if you're not 
working at a job, you're working with your family, and, you know, we all have priorities, and the flu just or the colds just get in the way of that priority. They do. They do. I mean, the, another difference uh, between the flu and the common cold is with a common cold, you probably are able to carry on normal activities, go right. to work, etc. You might not feel great, but you're still able to do it. When you have the flu, you really all you're really capable of doing is probably is staying in bed. Stay, so when the, when the flu hits you, it's like, I guess I equate it to when when I've had the flu, it's like being hit by a truck. Exactly. Like you felt great one day and then the, the next, next day. day. Exactly. Because we always, you know, you know, when you have a cold coming on, people say, "Oh, I feel like I have something coming on." But mm-hmm. with the flu, it kind of happens more suddenly. You. Yes, it hits you suddenly. So. The cold, we'll, we'll put the cold aside for a minute because I really want to focus on flu and flu season. And someone brought up a great point in regards to the flu. Are we in the middle of flu season right now? Would you consider this the middle of flu season? Yeah, I mean, the flu season typically peaks um, in December, January, February, depending mm-hmm. on the season. Um, you know, it's hard to say. But, yeah, we're, we're in the midst of it. It's out there. Um, you know, and um, yes. So Is it too late to do a flu shot? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So the flu shots are available in, in you can give them throughout the whole flu season. Right. Of course, the earlier you get them, um, the better. That's right. the recommendation as soon as they're available to, to receive your flu vaccination. But it is not too late to get it. It takes about two weeks to have a response to it. So, um, you know, the sooner, as I said, the sooner the better, but it's definitely not too late. What if you've already had the flu? Should you get the flu shot? Like, say you had the flu, they diagnosed you with the flu in December. Mm-hmm. Should you get the and you never had, and you didn't get the flu shot? Should you get the flu shot? You know, I guess that question is a little controversial unless you know for sure it was, it was the flu. It was the seasonal uh, flu and you had confirmation of it, then you wouldn't. You no, know, it would be based on, you know, the physician's clinical judgment at, at the time. And there's so many different flu viruses out there. And I know it's almost like a guess by the CDC every year as to, which flu mm-hmm. they're going to vaccinate us for. And I know last year there was a lot of controversy there, about the flu shot. Yeah, last year wasn't found to be that effective, and that's because the flu virus um, has a way of, of changing mm-hmm. on us. So when we, when we prepare the flu shot for the following year, that's usually done six months in advance, and it's based on surveillance done around the globe, you know, with through the CDC and the World Health Organization. And it's based on prediction. So they can only predict based on the data that they right. have. Right. But with the flu's ability to change, sometimes um, you, you do you do not have as an effective of a, a flu vaccine. And I think that's why people say, well, I'm not going to bother to get it. I'm not going to bother to get it because if I get it, it's mm-hmm. probably not going to protect me anyway. Or then there's the other misnomer as well. If I get it, I'm going to get the flu. Right. Well, that's that's incorrect. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I heard I heard that. Um, when we get the, a lot of patients will say that I don't want to have the flu vac- vaccination because I had it once and I got the flu. Well, the thing about that is a lot of times we are giving the flu vaccine during cold and flu season. So mm-hmm. a lot of times they have a cold and, and, and people have the tendency to call every cold the flu. So the patient might have gotten the flu vaccine and, and got a cold, you know, in that same time span. Um, 
Additionally, if they're getting the flu vaccine during flu season and if they gotten it later when, when the flu is out there in the community, they just they got it and then they weren't immune yet. They didn't have their, their two week time for their vaccination to work. Right. So that's the other misnomer. Most 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 patients do still believe that. And, and it's just not true at, at all. Now, they're giving the flu vaccine. I know the most susceptible is the younger children and the older population. Is that is that still rule of thumb? Well, those are the people you definitely want to hit certain populations, but it is recommended everybody over the age of six months receive the flu vaccination. I know my grandson got it uh, this year. They did it in two doses for him. Right. And that's so they an, split it for younger? For younger people under the age of eight, it's given it in two, in two dosages. And why is that? Um, I think because they're immune, uh, the way their immune systems work. Right, right. You know, but it's, it's so important to get, I mean, when my children were young, that's not something we ever did. You right. know, we never gave it. I don't even think the flu vaccine was as popular right. as it is as now. It is now, now it seems to be that everyone gets it, and you can pretty much get it anywhere. You can. You can. I mean, it's it's easily available. Pharmacies are giving it out right, now. Right, right. All doctor offices and pediatricians have it. So um, it's available. There's really no reason um, why somebody who's eligible for the flu vaccine can, cannot get one. And I know it's mandatory for us at the hospital. You know, it's mm-hmm. mandatory for all healthcare workers and anyone working in the hospital, and that goes from everyone within dietary housekeeping. So the entire hospital has to either get the flu vaccine or show evidence that they got the flu Absolutely. vaccine, or if they cannot, um, to to come up with a really good um, reason, not reason not what not to. And what would those reasons be? I mean, sometimes patients are allergic to certain components. Egg, a, a severe egg allergy is a contraindication. To get the flu vaccine. Um, somebody who has a certain history in their background, such as Guillain-Barre, um, mm. or who has who has come down with Guillain-Barre right. with after having a previous flu vaccine. So those are those are the real true contraindications. I want to make um, sure too before I I forget we threw out the phone number out there because I neglected to do so two zero three seven five seven thirteen twenty. We're more than happy to entertain your calls. You know it's not very often that you get a primary care physician right at your fingertips, right at your phone to ask <laughs> a, a question, especially about cold and flu season. Um, so uh, if you do have the flu. Mm-hmm. The concerns as a physician, what are some of those complications that you worry about? The complications that we worry about are mostly in certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, elderly patients, patients over 65, uh, patients with certain chronic medical conditions mm-hmm. such as heart disease, lung disease, COPD, diabetes, those that are immunocompromised, those are the patients that are more likely to suffer complications from the flu, um, which can include pneumonia. Um, you know, so those are mm. the patients you really want to push to get vaccinated. Um, so how do we treat that? How do we treat them? You know, what do you? What is it? Antibiotics or you know, I hear so many things about different medications you see on TV, Theraflu, mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. those things. Right. So what do you? What do you as a physician? Mm-hmm. Well, for the do? flu symptoms, you know, you would you would treat the symptoms exactly that. So you know, decongestants, pushing the fluids, mm. uh, cough suppressants if needed. But for those high risk uh, patients, you want to treat them with the antivirals, okay? Because they're at they're at the people that are at the most risk of you know, unfortunately, of dying from the mm. flu. So by taking the antivirals, hopefully within forty eight hours of presenting, um, can reduce the severity 
um, of their of their flu, and also you know um, shorten the duration of it. As but those well. don't come without complications, mm-hmm. which is scary because I, I know you see it on TV mm-hmm. and you see you know there are higher incidents. There could be a seizure. There could be and mm-hmm. that's scary. I mean, as an individual, I'm like, do I really? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, the 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 um, antivirals are safe. They're safer. Yeah, they're safe. They're safe. And the whenever you look at things such as this, you always want to weigh the risk versus the benefit. And the benefit uh, for that patient population is, is there for sure. The elderly people, you want to you yeah. want to give them the Tamiflu as soon Tamiflu. as they come in. Okay. Yeah. Now, like I said. First 48 hours is the best, but you would still give it after that. You would still patients. give it after that. You, you, it's based on clinical judgment, but but you just, most most of us would. So how does that work? How do those antivirals work? They stop or they just reduce the severity? They revert. They reduce the severity of of the illness, and they can shorten the duration of the illness anywhere from one to three days, which might not sound like a lot, um, but it is something, uh, particularly. You know, if somebody wants to get back to work, um, you know, or as a caregiver, et right. cetera. Do antibiotics work? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> These are not, if the flu virus is a virus and it's not a, a bacteria. Now, if somebody has a complication, um, so, you know, with influenza. Um, like, a, like pneumonia? Pneumonia. So sometimes it's hard to distinguish um, a viral pneumonia from a secondary bacterial pneumonia. But mm-hmm. typically with it, where you would recognize a bacterial pneumonia would be a patient got got better, they showed some improvement, and then had a, a, a secondary a or secondary rapid decline. Yeah. Then you would suspect secondary bacterial infections. So you know, then then you want you know you would have other clinical data to help you treat the patient. But um, basically, you know, the hallmark is looking for a decline after an improvement. I I think. In recent years, we and I know it's been all over the media, but we have just so overused antibiotics, right? And, and, and so inappropriately in, in a lot of cases. And you know, sometimes um, you know, as a physician, we feel the pressure uh, from our patients. You do you know, right? You know, yeah. I know this is going to work for the doctor. Just give it to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and sometimes you you have to really balance that because in, in at the end of the day, you don't want to promote antibiotic resistance. You don't want to, you know, even with use of the antivirals. Um, you know, not every patient uh, should get Tamiflu. Right. Um, you know, because most of us young and healthy people, we're going to get the flu. It's going to stink, but we're going to get better. Um, and if we're using Tamiflu in every patient that is diagnosed with the flu, we're going to breed resistance, and you know, in the antivirals as well. So right. we really should be using, you know, sound clinical judgment and, you know, before making those, those decisions. Definitely. When um, a patient presents with the flu, do you have to test that patient um, for the flu virus, how, and how do you do that? You don't have to test them, and to be honest with you, um, a lot of the tests aren't that sensitive or specific. They, you know, they're they're not perfect. Right. So you never want to base your treatment to a patient on a one test result. You really right. want to base it on your clinical suspicion. Right. So I would ne- if I would, if I thought the patient in my heart had the flu right. and the test came back negative, I would still treat them for the flu. You would so still the tests are helpful in some settings, but not not in all. And the rapid, you know, there are rapid tests out there where you can know in, in you know, in a few minutes even whether the it, your patient has the flu, hmm. but again, there's a there's some true there's some false positives right. there, so you could be treating a patient inappropriately. You really have to base it on your clinical judgment. We have a caller. Hi, good morning. You have a question for Dr. Burleson? 
Um, yes, I was just wondering about what is the procedure these days, these years, about removing tonsils. <laughs> I know when uh, my when I was young and all, they just did it. And uh, now um, it's held off for a long time. I was wondering why. Is there is that a good thing to do? Well, it depends. I'm, I have to say I'm not a um, ears, nose, and throat doctor, so I'm not somebody that removes tonsils. However, um, the trend is that if somebody's getting very frequent infections, very frequent, you know, confirmed uh, strep, um, then they're removed. Um, yes, so it depends. Uh, it depends on on the patient and how many incidences of strep throat they're having a year. My grandson has had strep four times since April, and they said if he gets it one more time within the year, that they will uh, then take the next step. But mm-hmm. well, strep, yeah, way back when, just right. Well, strep is 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 really scary to the body. It has a huge impact. So if you're getting a lot of strep, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the complications besides the strep throat that it has on the body with the strep virus? I mean, it can, you know, God forbid, it could spread. It could, you know, a patient could become septic. A patient can develop abscesses. Um, you know, can turn into a more serious infection. Can affect the heart. Yeah, yeah. Worst case scenario, if it spreads to the the blood. So yeah, I mean, if somebody's having very frequent strep infections and they're seeing their doctor regularly and these are confirmed, then um, that's usually what they're doing nowadays. I suggested to my daughter that she should uh, pursue the doctor and uh, say that you know look into it because to my mind, four times since April is a lot of strep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of strep, and I think, you know, and I would agree with Doc, I think, you know, you have to look at it, each situation individually, yeah. definitely, yeah. and and make sure, you know, you, you have a conversation with the pediatrician along with the ear, nose, and throat doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what? one more question quickly. Yeah. What, what do tonsils do? What is their job in life? They're, they're there <laughs> to help drain. They, they, trap, they trap germs. Um, that's why the strep kind of um, harbor. like harbor. harbors there. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're like a filtering thing, filtering <laughs> yeah. process in our body, so they hold everything. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. We talked a little bit about um, what we do in regards to prevention by talking about the flu vaccine. I wanted to talk about some of the other things that you can do to prevent flu, not only flu, but colds. What are some of the preventative things we can do? I mean, hand washing. We know Johnny showed us. Johnny showed us our hand washing stations here. Yeah, I and mean, our bacterial. The, the the best thing and the only thing really that's been proven is hand washing, right? Uh, and and decontaminating surf, surfaces because you know, viruses and and whether it's the flu or the common cold can live on surfaces anywhere from one to eight hours. Those, those are averages, of mm. course. So you want to disinfect. And disinfect surfaces, um, and you definitely want to wash your hands. Um, and not, I've, and you know, a lot of 
a lot of people are into using the hand sanitizers, which are also an alternative if um, soap and water aren't, aren't, available. aren't available. But soap and water is the best. Uh, soap and water are still Soap and water is the best. best. I think people forget to wash their hands because we have so many of these uh, pumps. Right. And I've seen people use them. They kind of give a little squirt and get a rub less than a second. Yeah. You really have to, you really want to rub for, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute. When you wash your hands, you definitely want to do a good scrub, you know, 30 seconds to a minute um, as well. I think that we forget. I definitely think we forget about that. I remember way back when, when I was in nursing school, there was a sister, I'll never forget her. Uh, she used to stand outside the bathroom and listen to make sure that people wash their hands. And if she felt the water, didn't hear the water running before you exited the bathroom, she would stop you. <laughs> she would stop you. And that was, believe it or not, in nursing school, that's a class that we took, was good hand washing. Oh, yeah. Tom's laughing at me here. But it's so true. We, ha- we had to do good hand washing. And I think it's a lost art for some of us, yes. even with our children, you know, yeah, starting yeah. starting them to really take care of that. But, you know, you talked about cleaning surfaces, and I think we forget about that, too. Right, doorknobs. Uh, toilet oh. handles, all the things where keyboards, uh, keyboards all the keyboards are the worst at the offices. Yeah, phones. Dis- yeah, dis- disinfecting those surfaces are key in your own home. If somebody's sick in your own home, you know those type of uh, procedures will reduce the cleaning. The phone is a really big one, of course. Now we all use our cell phones, so that may minimize some of it. Oh. I think we have to take a break. Mm-hmm. So I will be right back with Dr. Burleson. We're talking about cold and flu season. We'll be right back. Medicare covers ground ambulance transportation when you need to be transported to a hospital, critical access hospital, or a skilled nursing facility for medically necessary services, or if transportation in any other vehicle will endanger your health. Hi, this is Magali Bravo from Western Connecticut Area Agency on Aging, a nonprofit that provides free and unbiased information to seniors and younger persons with disabilities. Medicare may pay for emergency transportation in an airplane or helicopter if you need immediate and rapid ambulance transportation that ground transportation cannot provide. Medicare will only cover services to the nearest appropriate medical facility that is able to give you the care you need. For more information regarding Medicare coverage, call Western Connecticut Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-994-9422 or 203-757-5449. Be sure to tune in every Sunday morning following Jimmy Stir and Fox News at 9 a.m. for the Zembruski Family Polka Hour, featuring Nathaniel Zembruski, continuing the polka tradition on WATR 1320 a.m. And brought to you by the Naugatuck Valley Memorial Fitzgerald Zembruski Funeral Home at 240 North Main Street in Naugatuck. Call 203-729-4187 or find them on the web at naugatuckvalleymemorial.com. Listen this Sunday on WATR 1320 and WATR.com. The Waterbury Symphony Orchestra announces Instruments for Kids, Waterbury's first-ever musical instrument donation drive to take place through February 7, 2016. Community members are asked to donate instruments in working condition at drop-off sites and or to sponsor the purchase of new instruments for kids in school music programs. Drop-off dates and locations can be seen at waterburysymphony.org. Please be a part of this great opportunity with the Waterbury Symphony Orchestra, NBCC, and others. Media sponsor, WATR Radio. You're killing me. 
Welcome back, I everyone. My, I had my microphone on. You had your microphone on. Welcome back, everyone. Robin Sills, St. Mary's Hospital, Medically Speaking in the Morning. And we are sponsored today by the Spirit of Women Network, which will sponsor all of our morning shows um, throughout um, the year this year. We will be um, here every second Friday morning of the month at 930 in the infamous Barbara Davitt slot. And we're here today with Dr. Kathleen Burleson, who is a primary, primary care physician with the Franklin Medical Group. And she... Um, um, resides at 1981 East Main Street, um, right near uh, St. Peter and Paul Church, and across from the old Maroons, I always call it that, but across from the uh, old Maroons. Next uh, to the Senior Center as Next well. to the Senior Center, right next to the Brassville Senior Center, um, and we are so happy you could join us today, and we have been talking about cold and flu season, season. we are calling it Achu, or the flu, mm-hmm. and we've talked a lot about the flu. Um, I want to go back a little bit to the common cold before we wrap up here, and there are so many products out there on the market. Mm-hmm. So I know when your patient's calling, you're really trying to steer them away from doing that, they think, quick fix antibiotic and make them understand that this is going to last a while. Mm-hmm. This cold's going to last. Yeah. So you want to you recommend products that are going to help them feel better, essentially. Right. So if they're complaining a lot of nasal congestion, we'd recommend the decongestants. If they have a lot of mucus, we might recommend a mucus thinner, such as mucinex or guafenicin. Um, if they're having aches or a headache, mm-hmm. Tylenol. Um, so really, it's going to be based on what their symptoms are. But really, they're just products that are going to relieve the symptoms. And stuff to help boost the immune system is always helpful. I know good old chicken soup mm-hmm. is probably always that rule of thumb. And if you mm-hmm. can get someone to mm-hmm. to make it for you yeah. or, or get it for yourself, it's it's an important tool. The old Italian grandmother in, in me is going to always say that. But I'm someone who promotes vitamin C, and I know that there's probably no studies that prove that, but they tell you take airborne or you take that uh, emergency or that high-dose vitamin C. Right. But it can't hurt. It, it certainly can hurt. The vitamin C... Um, you know, if you're taking it, you have to take it every day. Um, and you, so if, you, if you're one to take it prophylactically and you're taking it every day, sometimes, the, you know, there's been some data that suggests it might reduce the duration of the flu. And the severity. But it doesn't reduce the incidence of the flu, oh, or rather of, a, of the cold. So of getting of it, getting right. It. So right. really, really, there's not enough um, data out there out to there. support, but it's certainly not going to hurt um, you know, most people. It's hard, you know, uh, patients out there with um, that are taking other medications, you know, like heart medications or blood pressure medications or um, blood thinners. It's hard f- to pick products mm-hmm. that actually go with some of those medications that you're taking routinely. Exactly. So it's always, we always tell our patients to check with us, to check with their doctor, check with their cardiologist. You know, in general, if somebody has high blood pressure, you do want to avoid the Sudafed-type products. Right. Um, you know, it's not an absolute, but it, but it's an in general type of a recommendation. So the, um, the goal is to make sure that we always check with our doctor. Yeah, it's always good to check if you're not sure. And to be honest with you, the pharmacist also can give general advice in regards to the those things because they too. know the medications you're on, they have the mm-hmm. list. But exactly. it's, it's just always important to to clear that, you know, because I think we tend to go into the pharmacy and just grab something off the shelf, and we're not sure right of whether what to it grab. interacts with anything. Well, I think we learned a lot today. So I want to take you, doc- thank you so much, Dr. Burleson, for, for joining us today. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Burleson, I totally um, recommend that you go to the St. Mary's Hospital website and you can click on our Franklin Medical Group and she's listed on there. And she actually has a really neat video. 
that talks a little bit about herself and why she chose primary care medicine. We've put some videos up of our physicians, and it's a really nice video. You'll get to see her live, <laughs> somewhat live, but talking about um, her her history and a little bit about why you chose family medicine. And she can be found, again, at our um, Franklin Medical Site at 1981 East Main Street, and the phone number there is 203 709 and you can also book an appointment online, which is kind of neat on that site. So on all of our physicians, you can go online, book online, and book your own appointment, which is really neat. It's something powered by something we have called ZocDoc. So it's really neat. Go right on. You can pick the day and time. Works best for you. And book your own appointment. So again, thank you so much okay. for joining us. Um, Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital again, medically speaking, every um, second Friday of the month with you. Um, sponsored by our Spirit of Women Network. And I will be back this Wednesday um, evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Um, for our nighttime edition of Medically Speaking. And I will be joined by Dr. Aziz Ritchie, who is the uh, chief of staff now at St. Mary's Hospital and a phenomenal surgeon and he will be talking about bariatric surgery. So have a great weekend uh, and as always St. Mary's Hospital, exceptional care every patient, every day. On the air and online everywhere at WATR.com This is a Connecticut classic WATR Waterbury. This is a Fox News Alert. I'm Dave Anthony. Wall Street to wash in red again. The opening bell rings in another huge sell-off. Fox Business Network's Nicole Petalides live at the New York Stock Exchange. And Dave, this morning we're seeing the Dow Jones Industrial Average in the $15,000 range and below that 16000 mark for the first time.